Willis Welcome to the Fade Route. With DNZ. Here are your hosts. DNZ. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of the Fade Route with DNZ. I am Z and we have a great show planned for you. We're talking about Baker Mayfield's future in Cleveland. We're talking about the college football playoff games that really matter, that are finally here, that will maybe determine a national champion, and the run of Notre Dame quarterbacks in the NFL, or lack thereof. But we're going to start with some sobering news as 2021 is coming to an end, and you know, what a a fitting way to go out than with uh, a little bit of chaos. You know, it's very on-brand for the past two seasons. So we're thinking about everybody who was displaced in Colorado. I, I know coming back from Colorado that it has been, you know, very dry. So hopefully everyone can settle themselves again soon and that they can make themselves whole once again. We're living in serious times, ladies and gentlemen. Don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but, you know... It is, uh, it is the kick in the ass that we did not need to close 2021. Turning on to the world of sports, the Hall of Fame inductees for the NFL were announced, and a pretty good class. Cowboys great Demarcus Lawrence, Texans legend wide receiver Andre Johnson, and kick return extraordinaire Devin Hester are among the nominees including Rondé Barber, Jared Allen, Tony Baselli, Leroy Butler, Tory Holt, Sam Mills, Reggie Wayne. This is a stacked list. So Canton is going to get a lot better this year. And we'd be remiss if we did not discuss the life and legacy of head coach John Madden, who passed just the All Madden documentary came out from ESPN and have you gotten a chance to see it? It was a fantastic, fantastic documentary. No, I haven't gotten a chance to see it, but my mom told me I should watch it and it's really good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I haven't gotten is, a chance to see it. It is fantastic. Uh, you know, ESPN did it right. It wasn't just Madden as coach, although Madden as coach was a big fat, big you know, part of it. Ten seasons from thirty age thirty-two to age forty-two. Like that's you know, Sean McVay territory. Never had a losing season. Seventy games over five hundred. That's pretty impressive. So, you know, as a coach he was great as a teacher of the game and that's how he saw himself. That is something that is quite admirable and as we know his legacy lives on in all of broadcasting the way he changed how the color commentator is viewed, particularly in football. And of course, we cannot, you know, minimize the impact that Madden, the video game, has had on sports culture, video game culture, and just culture in general. 
Rest in peace, coach. You will be missed. And here he is. I've known this guy since our days on Carousel Shoes, flight crew through and through the last QB in St. John's history. What's up, D? How's it going, man? Yeah, man. You touched so many things in that opening. Uh, but yeah, finishing off strong with Madden. I mean, he was he, he was a, a just an enormous personality. That's the way I remember him. I mean, I was too young to have been around for his coaching career. I've seen clips and I've heard things, but I don't really know him as a coach. But I do remember him as a broadcast personality and his boom, you know, kind of always sticked out to me and his his love for Brett Favre, which was which was uh, toxic. It was just toxic at the time because I, I just dislike and loathe Brett Favre. Um, <laughs> but he uh, he was uh, always synonymous with Thanksgiving. I remember him doing the Thanksgiving game, and they've been playing his last broadcast, which was uh, which was the Super Bowl between the Seahawks and the Steelers. And man, I forgot how good Ben was. Man, Ben was so great in that game. Man, he was so good. Um, but, I mean, for me, what sticks out the most are the video games. I mean, Madden 95 was big. Madden 96, Madden 2001, and 2003 were – they hold special places in my childhood and hold special places in my heart. Um, he will be missed. It's cool that they did the documentary and then all this happened right afterwards. And I wonder I wonder what happens now. Uh, you know, well, where does that – where does – where does the video game go now? Is it going to continue to be Madden? Um, I always thought that eventually it would be Gruden. <laughs> That's not happening. Uh, so I wonder I wonder where it goes from here. Be- I can't imagine them doing a Belichick game. It doesn't really work. Manning. And Manning, Manning might be interesting. It's interesting. <laughs> the other part that's... You know, most of the guys that are playing today, they they were not around for the broadcast career or for the coaching careers. They really just know the video game. And I'm sure some of them don't even know, you know, why it's named after him. Well, I mean, possibly. But Lamar Jackson was on the documentary. And, I mean, he's young. So we, we definitely know that, you know, his formative years were at the tail end of John Madden's career. So if he was following... He was not following in prime Madden, but he knew the game. And he, you know, he definitely was deferential and reverential to Coach Madden. Um, and he def- he painted it through the lens of the video game. So I, you're spot on with that. This, you know, this next generation of players is going to, you know, play in a time where John Madden is only going to be known as a video game personality. And even then, he's... When was the last time his voice was actually used for Madden the game? You know, I yeah, think it Charles. That's... It's been Charles Davis, and um, I forget the color comment, or the other uh, play-by-play guy, but it hasn't been John Madden in forever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had a brief period where I was into uh, NFL Game Day, especially Game Day '98, '99, very good games. Uh, but for the most part, my collection is, has been Madden's, um, and. It was it was just synonymous in football. Avoid messy accidents. Get better stopping power with your brake pads. Callahan brake pads. You never know when you'll be driving in the road and there will be a truck tire that you need to avoid and save your family. Callahan Auto. We really care about what's under your hood. You know, another thing synonymous with New Year's and football is finally 
We're getting into the championship games for college. It's been almost a month. And finally, Michigan will play Georgia today. Alabama will be playing Cincy today. Uh, who you got after almost having a month off? Well, I mean, I think it's better if we take it game by game, right? Because we're going to have Georgia versus Michigan, Cincinnati and Alabama. I mean, the Michigan-Georgia game is very evenly contested. You know, you have very similar-looking teams designed to run the ball, play defense, and just kind of ground and pound. It's going to be who breaks last. And for me, I, I got a... Georgia ranks slightly better in terms of stats than Michigan. Granted, Michigan did have Aiden Hutchinson, who was a finalist for the Heisman, in terms of uh, you know being a top-notch quality defensive end. But you have a guy like James Cook. You know he's gonna definitely be an impact player, and I see Georgia just narrowly, narrowly squeaking out against Michigan. As far as Alabama goes. I mean, this is the test we've been looking for, right? This has been the Central Florida. Like, this has been the Coastal Carolina. This has been the moment for the smaller school to come in and prove their mettle against the big, bad SEC. And I think Cincinnati's got a shot. They definitely have a shot. They're, They're undefeated. So they took down Notre Dame. They've been able to, you know, use Desmond Ritter, Jerome Ford, and then their secondary is quite good. They may neutral, they may neutralize Bryce Young, possibly, if not just at least slow him down. But I don't know. I have a feeling that just because Alabama is basically NFLU, I think that Alabama is going to pull away early and. I don't think Cincinnati can recover from that. Yeah, I think when you take off this much time, if you could throw the players out the window, it really just comes down to coaching. It's like, how well do these coaches get their players ready to play? And it's hard to discredit Nick Saban in this kind of situation. And so for that, I want Cincinnati to win. It would be great if Cincinnati won. I just... It, I think Alabama is going to be a tough out. They seem to have come on late. They just finished beating undefeated Georgia. And I think they're going to take care of Cincinnati. And as far as the Georgia-Michigan game is concerned, you know, in the beginning, I was really like where you were. I was thinking, oh, man, it's an even contest. It could really go either way. It could come down to one or two plays, especially towards the end of the game. But then the more that I think about it, it's like, I mean, Georgia had such a good defense all year. And I got to think that they buttoned up the things that were awry in that Alabama game. And they're going to come out and shut down Michigan. I mean, the only good thing that Michigan has coming, has going for them is they have an offensive-minded coach in Harbaugh. And he might be able to conjure up a game plan or a scheme to beat Georgia. And that's why I really say it's going to come down to coaching in these two games. And... I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Georgia, um, and I'm going to go with Alabama. All good choices. I mean, you're really the the dark horse is definitely Cincinnati, but you can't. I mean, if Michigan 
Alabama or Georgia end up in there, like you really can't be surprised with any of those coaches, with any of those teams, because Kirby Smart's been there before. Jim Harbaugh took his team to a Super Bowl. So when he was in the NFL and he was successful in Stanford. So he has pedigree. And Kirby Smart just yeah, but Kirby Smart just really shit the bed last game against Alabama. Like they were getting blowed out. I mean you weren't expecting that at all. And Cincinnati is I don't know, to me Cincinnati would be a big surprise if they were able to beat Alabama, especially after Alabama beat undefeated Georgia. I mean that would now, be a big surprise to me. Uh, yeah, it would absolutely be a big surprise. But is that going is that going to translate to eyeballs on TV? If they knock off Alabama and they're playing Georgia or they're playing Michigan, is that going to draw as much attention as Alabama versus I th- either one of the other teams? I, I actually think it would because I would be more interested in seeing that game. I've already seen Georgia-Alabama. That's the last game I want to see. I don't want Georgia and Alabama to win because I've already seen that game. I want to see something different. And I don't want to see Alabama-Michigan because I think I think Alabama will crush Michigan. You know, I don't think they're that good. So I don't think Michigan's that good. Uh, so, yeah, I want to see Cincinnati win because that opens up a new chance for something we haven't seen. Cincinnati, Michigan might be the lowest draw, but Michigan has it a large. Like, it sounds like a regional game. Yeah, yeah, sounds like a sounds like a major league soccer game. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> but I would think that um, uh, Michigan has a lot of alumni, so they might they might jack the ratings up a bit. And Georgia's got a large alumni basis, so you, you, I think they'll help they'll help spike the numbers. And I I would tune into one of those games. I got to be honest, if Alabama plays Georgia, I don't know if I'm really gonna watch it. Because you've seen it so many times, that makes because so I've seen it. Yeah. I've seen it, and I'm tired of it, honestly. Because I, especially after Alabama just crushed them, you know, Kirby Smart hasn't figured out how to beat Alabama yet. Clearly, so like that's the one thing. That's the one little chestnut that you can hang your hat on. Like if you, that's the one little bit of interest. Has Kirby Smart figured out how to beat? Yeah, Saban? that's like, the that's storyline. The only question. And then he, and then if he loses, it's even a bigger letdown. It's like, oh great. I got them to see them kick their, their their teeth in twice in in six weeks. So no, no. I mean, we're I think we're rooting for I'm rooting for Cincinnati, but I think Alabama will win. And then the Georgia Michigan game, I just I think Georgia's the better team, so I'd like to see Georgia win. But well, well, it all remains to be seen. Looking to break into broadcast media, web development, social media marketing, or filmmaking? Then CSB is the program for you. From day one, you'll be trained hands-on by industry pros like friend of the show Rob Adams, whose goal is to get you trained and get you working in months, not years. CSB offers 8- and 16-week programs in small class sizes designed to give you the personalized attention you need. If you can make it in person, there are five East Coast locations. If you can't, they offer virtual classes too. How great is that? And once you graduate, you become part of the alumni network that gets you to the front of the line. Trust me, I'm an alum myself. Go to GoCSB.com today, request more info, set up a studio tour, and who knows, you may very well be on your way to a career in broadcast media. That's GoCSB.com and tell them Z sent you. GoCSB. Dot com.
would, but what's something that doesn't remain to be seen is how terrible Notre Dame quarterbacks have been in the NFL the last 24 starts. Ian Book started for the Saints last uh, on Monday night as the Saints lost to the Dolphins. With the loss, Notre Dame quarterbacks have now lost 24 straight starts in the NFL. How is one of the most storied college football programs so terrible at producing professional quarterbacks? Their care, it's a caretaker position for Notre Dame, right? In recent history, they've been doing what? It's been running the ball, playing defense. That's been Notre Dame football. So, I mean, look back at it. Who is the most successful in recent years? Brady Quinn? <laughs> Jimmy Clausen, Deshaun Kaiser. Honestly, I I can argue that in recent vintage, the greatest Notre Dame quarterback has been Joe frickin' Montana. And that was 1993. Yeah. Well, no, wait, no, wait. Well, that's back when, yeah, that's back when he played in the NFL. But what he was in, he was playing for Notre Dame in the 70s, right? Right. But I'm saying in terms of NFL success, like, He's yeah. the standard bearer. Because then you have guys like Daryl Monica and Joe Theismann. And the recent vintage guys don't they don't measure up. I would like, probably say the last good quarterback to come out of Notre Dame might be Rick Meyer. Oh my god. Right? Goodness. Yeah. Might, might be Rick Meyer, as terrible as he was. And he was a first round pick number two overall disaster to Seattle. But, uh, yeah, I, I think, and I think he would be the last good one. Good meaning he was really just a backup quarterback, uh, fifty touchdowns, seventy six interceptions for a career. Uh, yeah, they don't produce I mean, quarterbacks. They don't. It's just not. It's not a priority position for them. And it, as you can see, because look, when you when you think Notre Dame draft picks. Right when you see Notre Dame draft picks on Sunday, where are they? They're on the line. Some sometimes they're in the backfield. Cole Komet, you had you have Cole Komet, tight end, and occasionally on defense. Nothing. Quarterback is a placeholder position, especially during Brian Kelly's tenure. So what? Like you know what? I don't want to slag coach on his on his way down to Baton Rouge, but hey, guess what, coach? I'm going to slag you on your way down to that time. Oh, Steve so. Berline is okay, I guess. That might be Berline was guy. decent. Kent, okay. Kent Graham had a few moments. Oh, wow. I forgot about him. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's just not a position that has been, you know, that, that's been a position of prominence, you know? It's yeah. It's one I, of those things. I think, I think it's hard to sell really good players on going to Notre Dame because they hold academics to such a high standard. Like, you're not skating by a Notre Dame. No. You've got to have the grades. You've got to have the the SAT score. Like, they're, they're not going to just let people come in there and play. Because I remember when I was in high school, I wanted to go to Notre Dame. I was basically told, man, you got to know somebody. <laughs> you know, there's no, there's no other way you're getting in with your grades. Like, as good of a player as you are, you're not getting in there with those grades. Um, and 
I think what happens is, is like the SEC schools are just sexier, and the mm-hmm. Big Ten schools are just sexier. And what Notre Dame doesn't belong to a conference in football, and I believe they're still in the Big East. No, they're in ACC for basketball. They moved yeah. into ACC, yeah. Yeah, so I think that's what happens there. But then when you when when I think about like if I was a GM, right, and I'm drafting players, like where am I getting my players from, right? So if I'm getting old linemen, I'm I'm going. Big Ten. I want Michigan guys. I want mm. Iowa guys. I want Wisconsin, Purdue. That's those just the, corn-fed farm that, guys. Yeah, I want those big guys. I want Nebraska, <laughs> Oklahoma, like you know that Nebraska, but Big Ten. I'll take Big Creed Ten, Humphrey. Big Twelve players. Big Twelve. I'll take people from the Big Twelve to Oklahoma. Um, but I'm not going to that Pac-12 for linemen. I'm not going. I'm not even going to the SEC for linemen, right? And then when I think about my skilled position, now that's where I want my SEC players. That's where I want my Alabamas, my Florida, my Georgia, my LSU. That's where I'm scouting for my skilled positions. And then when I'm go looking at D linemen, I'm looking at the SEC. I'm looking at the Big 12. I want Alabama. I want Oklahoma. I want Georgia. I want LSU. And then when I want linebackers, I, where am I looking? I'm looking at the SEC, right? I want I want Nick Saban's guys. You know, that that's where I'm. And then quarterbacks, I mean, quarterbacks is a toss-up. But let's be real. We haven't really seen a good quarterback come out of the SEC in a while. Yes, Hurts is good. And Big Mac Jones is good. But they're not. They're not Justin Herbert, who's coming from the Pac-12, which is a shocker, right? Yeah. But he's uh, the outlier, though, because when we think about, like, Pac-12 quarterbacks, what are we thinking about here? We're thinking about guys like Sam Darnold and Mark Sanchez and Matt Leinart and all that USC lineage, Carson all Palmer. That tr- yeah, but Carson Palmer, I, he got would argue, he got I would, but I would argue that he's a he was a good quarterback. Mm-hmm. And then with Mark Sanchez, I think Mark had potential. He left early. I'm going to defend Sam Darnold and say he is good. He just – he – he needs better coaching. That's what I'm going to put. And the only problem with Sam is that he's making the same mistakes he made in college. He's still making. But Marcus Mariota, I mean, he was a solid starter for Tennessee for a while, right? I think so. Well, and, well let's think about the big elephant in the room. Aaron Rodgers went to Berkeley. Yep. He went to Cal. Yeah. So, you know, and then I also think the ACC, right? The ACC has produced some decent quarterbacks. Uh, well, with uh, Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan went to Boston College. And... Um, Philip Rivers, MC State. Right. Russell, Russell Wilson spent Russell time Wilson State. and Big 12. Yeah. And, and the other thing is that the, the Big 10 to me doesn't produce really good quarterbacks. Like Tom Brady was good, but he was still sharing time with Drew Henson when he was senior year. Yankee legend uh, Drew Henson. Right, right, right. And then uh, and some of these other guys just don't pan out. I mean, Chad Henney, eh, he started a couple games, but he kind of he faded away. And uh, none of the Ohio State quarterbacks have been worth a damn, worth a damn. So I think, you know, you got to you look at your schools and you look at what they produce. And like you said, for Notre Dame, they do produce some good linemen. They do produce some good some good backers and backs. But as far as the quarterback position, it's just they don't they don't get that. They don't get their guy for whatever reason. And it's no, surprising absolutely. because they have the Channel Four deal. They they have storied alumni, and their their facilities are top of the line, top of the country. And and it's one of those programs when when you think about football, right? You're thinking about Notre Dame. You're thinking about Penn State. You're thinking about Ohio State. You know, like but I even can go- so. Like Ryan Day came in and installed a more modern offense, right? James Franklin went into Penn State 
and he put in a more modern style offense. Like Notre Dame, they need to they need to evolve how they do things because you know it's a quarterback driven league. You know, you are going, you definitely need to, if you're going to produce results in college or the pros, you need a quarterback and not just a guy who's going to turn around and hand the ball off. I don't know. I don't know if it, I don't, I think it also has to do with recruiting. It's like, you look at a guy like Baker Mayfield who started out at Texas Tech and then he, and then he went to Oklahoma. He wasn't trying to go to Notre Dame. Uh, Who's another guy? Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts goes to Alabama, transfers out his last year. Where does he go? He goes to Oklahoma, uh, and then you look at you look at Alabama in general. Look at all the guys that have come out of Alabama. Nick Saban had like four quarterbacks get drafted, and some of them were backing up each other, right? right. Like Jalen Hurts is the starter, and two is behind him, and Mac Jones is behind him. Those guys decided to sit rather than going to play for Notre Dame. That's nuts, man. That's nuts when you think about it. You have a chance to play. And you'd rather go sit the bench for Nick Saban, but then it works out for you. Yeah, I mean, um, look, that's what's that's definitely a thing because you're learning along the way. Quarterback is one of the worst coach positions, not just in college but in the pros as well. You need to have some semblance of an idea of what you're doing, or else you're not going to be successful. And that's why a guy like Sam Darnold keeps making mistakes that he was making as a sophomore year in college. So there's no evolution to that position, but. You know, let's go from the from the college gridiron to the pro gridiron, and you know, let's talk about the Saints versus the Dolphins for a little bit. I mean, Ian Book, like he looked shook. He looked completely shook. He looked over. He, he looked did. overwhelmed. Yeah, he you did. Know, 112 he did. of 20, 135 yards, two interceptions, and you know, it was an emergency start for him. So, I will give him the credit for you know actually you know taking taking the mantle and doing what he could do but you can tell he wasn't ready i mean he wasn't kendall hinton bad but (laughs) he definitely you know he looked completely overwhelmed and the dolphins were able to overwhelm him so you know give credit where credit is due you beat the guys who are on your schedule and now the dolphins are eight and seven and they're sitting pretty right now and i know you know speaking of college quarterbacks RG3 had a recent comment that uh, definitely caught your attention during our production meeting. Brian Flores for Coach of the Year. Where do you stand on that? Straight trash. Straight <laughs> trash. Like straight trash. You lost. You lost seven of your first eight games against good teams, and now you went on a run where you won seven straight against bad teams. They beat one team with a 500 record. Like, come on. I think. I think it should be Zach Taylor. How about Frank Wright, man? How about that? Especially if he if he wins this weekend without Carson Wentz, he's got arguably the MVP on his team. I I think those are the two guys that are the headsetters for me. Brian Flores, and he's a Brooklyn guy. It's a Brooklyn Tech. Uh, I'm I'm not in his camp. It's like, dude, you. It's a full body of work. Just because you came on lane, you came on strong, you didn't lose your job and you didn't lose the locker room. You don't get kudos for that. Um, just one more thing about Ian Bick. Ian Book. How about this fourth round pick by the Saints? Mm-hmm. That's a miss. Well, we were talking about it on the draft day episode, and you guys can go look that back up if you want to look at that one. It's called Back Draft. And uh, Town Mike was on, and we were talking about it. And he he had he was loving some Ian Book, but he thought that was a quality pick. So I mean, he may still become something, but he's got uh, you know we got a ways to go on that. But, um, you know, as far as uh, Coach of the Year, 
I'm fine with a mention. Like, it, it, for consideration, is fine. I'm not sold on Coach Flo taking the award. Do you want to talk about him? Sure. He gets as much consideration as Cliff Kingsbury, in my opinion. You know? No, how about he gets as much consideration as Matt LaFleur, who they're projecting is going to win this year. The guy yeah. who didn't have Aaron Rodgers for one game and lost that game. He's the guy <laughs> that they think is the coach of the year. What a joke. The awards are becoming such a joke. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Like, come it's, on, it's, Matt LaFleur? Matt LaFleur couldn't coach a third-grade fucking Pop Warner team, let alone this He's gonna. He, they're gonna lose. Watch. They're gonna lose. They're not gonna make it to the Super Bowl. They're gonna lose. Watch. You watch. They're gonna. They're gonna lose. But uh, what do you think about the Coach of the Year award? And if it's right now, it's a regular season award. Should it be more? Should it be regular season and playoff award? Well, it, that's an interesting concept. But it does penalize the coaches that don't make it. But at the same time, who are you rewarding, right? Right, but why Why that, should we reward guys that lose, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, here's the thing. you By doing that, you discount the job that Bruce Arians did when Chuck Pagano was out during, during cancer, right? When he was recovered from cancer, Bruce Arians held that Colts team together. And that's where the legend of Bruce Arians really started to build. And granted, he didn't make the playoffs. I think that there's merit there. So there, I, I think it's a merit-based award. I'm fine with it being just a regular season award because then what's going to happen? It's going to end up being like the NBA MVP where you can just give it to LeBron every year. Like, who are you going to give it to every year? LaFleur, Belichick, or, you know, the hot, the, the coach of the hot team that leads the, you know, if, for example, let's, pick, let's just pick a team, right? Zach Taylor. All right, Zach Taylor. He earned it this year. So I'm fine with it being a regular season award as a token of the merit that you've earned. I'm I'm fine with that. Um, do you want to have a coach of the year, a coach of the playoffs? Like, I mean, to me, just the win, whoever, whoever the last man standing. <laughs> whoever won the Super Bowl is the coach of the year. Yeah, <laughs> right? Exactly. Right? Right. right. So uh, I don't, but yeah. wouldn't that be the case too, right? Like whoever's standing last, like you get all the you get all the trophies. You're, you get the MVP. You I, get all of it. Yeah. Winner take I think all, you, baby. I think you should get. I think you should get points for, you know, offensive and defensive creativity. Like if you got an offense and defense in the top ten, I mean, obviously you're doing a really good job coaching. If you're if you've got the MVP on your team who is playing at a, at a high level, I think that gives you points. But just because you won seven straight, I, I, that doesn't mean anything to me. Now, I will say that if he does make the playoffs, if Brian Flores makes the playoffs, okay, I, I will listen to it. But as of right now, it's Zach Taylor and it's Frank Wright to me. I, Other side of the coin. What about Nick Sirianni? Like, yes, he was yes, in the fucking water yes, and now and, the Eagles are in prime position. People will kill me for this because they hate him. But I do think he did a good job for a first-year coach. And his and we're learning Jalen Hurts is really average and catering an offense where they re, if you notice, they really don't show anything until the second half. I've noticed that watching their games. In the first half, they play like trash, putting up like three points, six points. And then all of a sudden, in the, last, in the second half, they turn it on. They're running plays they weren't running in the first half. They come and surprise people. And they're running the ball. 
problem is Miles Sanders is no t- is going to finish the year with no touchdowns. He's going to finish the year with no touchdowns. Meanwhile, Jalen hawked all of them. <laughs> he hawked all of them. Like all so of he's the John. He's the John Coon of his team. He seems that way, uh, or he just doesn't give it to Miles Sanders. He give- Kenneth Gainwell. No, yeah. Ken- Kenneth Gainwell and Bar- and and Scott know that if they get the ball at the twenty, they better score. Because they won't see the ball if they get near the 10 or the goal line. Uh, no, I do like Nick. I thought he did a good job. But LaFleur is a joke. Uh, Cliff Cleansbury is a, is a loser. Uh, so, no, no, no. I don't, I, don't give, I don't give those guys any credit for having great players. And you can't win games. Is your hair thinning or is your hairline receding? Scalp micropigmentation will fill in the areas where your hair is missing by creating a short buzz cut look. Micropigmentation is a non-invasive procedure that will create the illusion of hair follicles for 7 to 10 years. For people with alopecia, this could be a permanent fix. For people with scars on their scalp, this is a great way to camouflage a scar. Don't lose confidence or feel like you need to wear a hat wherever you go. Marquez Studio is located in the Bronx and is open for all your scalp micropigmentation needs. Consultations are free and appointments can be made any day of the week. Get your hairline back with scalp micropigmentation. The techs at Marquez Studio have over 30 years of haircutting experience and can assist you with all of your questions. Call to schedule a consultation today, 646-221-8728. You can also visit them on Instagram at Bronx Marquez to see their gallery and view all their satisfied customers. Again, that is Marquez Studio, located in the Bronx, New York, 646-221-8728. Let's move on to the Cardinals. The card, the Cardinals lost again this past weekend. Despite losing three straight, they have clinched a playoff berth. Can you believe that? How far can the Cardinals go? Last week, we discussed Cl- Cliff Kingsbury's future, which looks a little cloudy. But should we also be looking at Kyler Murray's future as well? Well, as far as the Cardinals and what they're going to be able to do. It feels like a round and out team. Like maybe they can eke out a win depending on the matchup. Kyler Murray's running for his life right now. So he's missing DeAndre Hopkins. Now AJ Green is not doing what he, you know, they he's not stepping up. Nah, he's a shadow of himself. It's sad. Yeah. So they brought in Zach Ertz. So that should definitely help Kyler Murray. But yeah, it doesn't look good like I know that you love to you you talk you like to equate hype with you know success in the NFL and to some extent it's true he's not as he's not having as bad of a year as Baker Mayfield but Kyler Murray is definitely getting exposed right now and his legs will make up for that but come playoff time you do not want to expose yourself to any unnecessary hits and you're going up against a team like the Colts Without Darius Leonard, they're gonna hit you. You know they're gonna they're gonna make you get rid of the ball early. They're gonna make you get off your spot. And you see teams in the NFC. You're looking at Green Bay, like their secondary is coming on. You have even the Bucks. Like you want to talk about all the injuries, but the Bucks are still playing. The Bucks are still playing. They're gonna punch you in the mouth. If, if, uh, yeah, they are, I, if the Cardinals are punched in the mouth, I don't think they can recover. 
yeah, I, I like Kyler. I really do. I like him a lot. And he he is short, but he's got a big arm. He's got a better arm than Baker Mayfield. He seems to be durable because um, he's not taking big hits. Even when he runs, he runs out of bounds. He slides. He doesn't he doesn't take hits. He's and he's super fast. Like he's. Uh, but when I look at him. I still see a baseball player. I don't see a football player. I see a baseball player. I think they could win with him, but I don't think he's a Drew Brees. I don't think he's a Ben Roethlisberger. I don't think he's an Eli Manning. He's not the type of player that's going to deliver multiple Super Bowls. He's not a Kurt Warner, right? And yeah. just and just looking at the playoff picture this year, it's like, okay, they've clinched, right? Who are they going to beat? They're not going to beat the Cowboys. Nope. They've already lost to the Rams. They beat the Rams once, but they've lost to the Rams. They're not going to beat the Packers. They already lost to the Packers. And they're not going to beat a, a healthy Bucks team. So they're they're on the bottom of the totem pole when it comes to teams making the playoffs. And, so yeah, they're, they are. And that's why I think Cliff Kingsbury's future is so murky, right? It's like, listen, you, your A.J. Green was your number two this year, right? You couldn't get it done. And Christian Kirk is a damn good football player. DeAndre Hopkins got hurt. Okay, but he was there for the majority of the year. I know he's on my fantasy. <laughs> you, you signed James Conner, who was leading the league in rushing touchdowns for a number of weeks. They have the Fordham Flash, who came on great last week and helped me win my game. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you so much. Chase uh, Edmonds, baby. Chase yeah, I love it. And then defensively, uh, 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 besides the rotting carcass of J.J. Watt, who I just cannot stand, which I don't understand at all, right? They, when, Madden, when Madden passed away, they had a thing. It was like uh, <laughs> it was like Brady, Roethlisberger, and J.J. Watt react to the Madden passing. Why the fuck is J.J. Watt listed with those guys? Like, why are you kidding me? You haven't played in over a month. You don't belong on this team. Your brother's better than you. I'd rather get your brother's reaction than get your reaction. I'm so tired of J.J. Watt. Um, so, uh, and Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones, I believe, leads the league in sacks since he's been in the league. Like, I think he's that good. Like, some crazy stat like that. And Brudebaker is the legit truth at safety. So they, they have the makings of a team. And to see them... To see them win, you know, all these games in a row, and then and then lose. I mean, they're three and four at home. How do you lose at home games, man? Come on. It doesn't look good. It definitely doesn't look good. They're a front runner. They're a front running team. They got to get out early. They got to get on top of their opponent. And then if they can't do that, I don't trust Kyler Murray. To make that play, yes, they're, the Hail Murray. Yeah, so yes, you had the Hail Murray. You yeah. had DeAndre Hopkins on the other side of that. It takes two to tango. He had to catch that ball. It's not so you know as much as the throw was great, the catch was spectacular. So the other guys need to show up too. It's not an it's not solely an indictment of Kyler Murray, but you know the more times you see it, the more it starts to become an indictment on Kyler Murray. But we're in agreement on, Kip, on Cliff Kingsbury. He was a questionable hire to begin with because he had never coached in the at the NFL level. Right. He was a head coach in college, and he, had a, he was a mediocre head coach in college. Yeah. 
Yeah. So you brought and, him in yeah, to bring he had a Pat new Mahomes. offensive system. You had you had Patrick Mahomes. If Patrick Mahomes would make me look good, I've never coached a game of football in my life. Like, hit a home run, Strawberry. You know, like that's uh, that's exactly where we are with that. But I don't know. Kingsbury is on thin ice. I think Kyler Murray will have a longer rope than Cliff Kingsbury. But I mean, we will we'll see how it goes because it's not. Like, it's going to start to come playoff time, and there's going to be some bruising going on. There's going to be some pounding of the football, and we'll see if the Cardinals are able to go blow, blow for blow with teams like the Eagles. Because I don't, I don't think they can right now. I don't think they can go, with, like you said, the Cowboys, the Buccaneers. I don't know if they can go toe-to-toe with these teams right now. And teams, speaking of teams that are going toe-to-toe right now, the AFC North, it's shaking out right now, and... Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals seem to be on top. So is Burrow the best quarterback in the division right now? And are the Bengals the best team? Well, I mean, I don't I don't want to beat a dead horse, but we all know how I feel about Baker Mayfield. I've been kind of stressing it for the last couple of weeks. So let's 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 start off with the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Who Lamar, I believe, is the best player on my favorite team. Uh, I think he's a good passer, but he needs to be better he needs to be more of a thrower you can't run forever and he he might be the last running quarterback we will see for some time because now teams know what you get with him as he's probably going to miss this week's game too to an ankle injury and they were decimated by injuries this year but he needs to become a better passer he's a dynamic player a dynamic football player but he needs to become a better passer now, as far as Big Ben is concerned, he's likely playing his last home game this weekend. Uh, they'll be, and uh, they've been, like I said, they've been playing Madden's last Super Bowl. He broadcast, and it was the Steelers, you know, versus the Cardinals. And I really forgot how good Ben was. He was so good in that game, evading people, pumping the pass, throwing darts, running downfield, putting the ball wherever he wanted to. The last, the last play of that Super Bowl was a was a toe grabbing touchdown to Santonio Holmes, which was just beautiful, one of the best plays in Super Bowl history. The truth is, the Steelers should have moved on from him this year. Once they decided that they weren't going to sign DeCastro, they were going to let Pouncey retire, and they were going to let Villanueva go, they should have moved on from Ben, and they should have just started press. This was a wasted year. Um, and I think Joe Burrow is the future of the AC North. This is, his fir- this is his first year back from injury, and I think he's going to get better. And I, if, I, if I remember correctly, I believe I saw a stat that this is going to be the first time in NFL history that a team has a 4,000-yard passer, 2,000-yard receivers, and a 1,000-yard rusher. And and that's the Bengals. Wow, how impressive is that? That is a very impressive and dynamic offense, but I am also, you know, they invested on the defense. They actually, their their defense isn't hot garbage. (laughs) So for once, like, they're putting together a truly complimentary football team where it's whole all the way around. The Browns are in complete disarray as the Browns often are. You know, there's uncertainty about Baker Mayfield. There's drama with Odell Beckham. There's, you know, always, there's always something going on in Cleveland and we'll get to, we'll get to Baker Mayfield more later. But, um, 
Pittsburgh, I agree with you. It was a transition year. It needed to be a transition year, and they just kind of punted. Like they were going to give it one more ride with Ben Roethlisberger, and for what? You know, your 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 team kind of disintegrated around him. Like that offensive line is gone. Juju was gone. You're you're running out. You know, you brought in Najee Harris. Great, that's wonderful. But the rest of the team just kind of disintegrated around. And then the Ravens, I you know, the Ravens were a disappointment this year. They definitely were a disappointment. And injuries and COVID have ravaged that team. And you know, I've never been a big Lamar Jackson proponent. I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's a better runner than he is a passer, and he definitely needs to clean that up. An improved offensive line definitely helps that, but you got to get him some weapons. You still need to get Lamar Jackson a top-flight wide receiver, and then maybe his instinct, his first instinct, wouldn't be to sprint out the box. You know, like maybe that's the case. But as far as Joe Burrow goes, you're looking. You know, it's a fantastic year. He's looking at, you know, 30 touchdowns, 14 picks. 4165 for yardage. He's only played 25 career games. So he is definitely trending upward and unbelievably the Bengals are trending upward and this is a this is a definite division where a couple tweaks on any of the other teams and they can be right back in the they can be right back in the mix. So AFC North is continuously a competitive division and it's going to remain so but as of right now the kings reside in the queen city so kudos to you guys and hopefully that hopefully you guys can make a run and shut people like me up who said you shouldn't have taken jamar chase in the first round (laughs) and just to clarify my stat is all those players are under 25 so it's they have the first team in nfl history with Players under 25, one with a 4,000 yards passing, uh, 2,000 yard receivers, and a 1,000 yard rusher, all under the age of 25. How impressive is that? That is impressive. In the future, the future looks extremely bright in Cincinnati. Are you in need of air care maintenance or service? I have the company for you. Air Care Technicians. They service the Westchester and Northern Bronx area and can help you with all your heating and cooling maintenance and service needs. Just give them a call at 914-315-1547. Again, that's 914-315-1547. Or shoot them an email at aircaretechnicians at gmail.com. These guys are the real deal as they are veteran-owned, licensed, and insured. Make sure to tell them that DNZ sent you. But you know whose future doesn't look <laughs> extremely bright? One Jimmy Garoppolo. He is uh-huh. hurt again. Or still. I don't know. Or still. <laughs> he got a fracture in his thumb. He has a torn UCL in his thumb. He's gonna miss time. So it's Trey Lance time. It's Trey time in San Francisco. But what does that mean for Jimmy G's future? Oh, James. James. <laughs> James Richard Garoppolo. You are the weakest link at some points. Um, I think it makes things clear for the 49ers that they need to trade him. Um, This is going to be a great opportunity for Trey Lance, who is likely starting this weekend, so we can find out what he is. 
Uh, unfortunately, the 49ers have a real chance still to make the playoffs. So I don't know if they want to commit to, to Trey beyond this weekend's game. It would behoove them to because, you know, he's definitely going to be the more dynamic player. And you drafted him in the top five. So let the guy play. Um, Jimmy G, 30 years old. Uh, the only thing I this injury does is it hurts his trade value because now if you're a team like the Giants, you might not be willing to pull the trigger on two draft picks. Maybe you get one in a player now. And if you're a team like the Stellars, you're really probably just going to trade a player or two and you're not going to give them any draft picks. So, yeah, I think it really changes the, the landscape and his trade value because he gets hurt so much. If I'm a team that has no offensive line, like the Giants or the Steelers, I'm not even calling Jim. I'm not even calling the Niners about Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, you got to make the phone call. You got to make the phone call. I'm going to get this guy killed. (laughs) (laughs) This guy's going to die on the field. Like He's immobile. (laughs) No, he's not the right fit for my team if I have no offensive line to speak of. So basically, like, where do you go? Jimmy G definitely has value. I'm not going to dispute he has value, but at some point you become the injury-prone guy. And if you're the injury-prone guy, that leaves you to be a backup. Like you're just going to end up being a backup. And I don't know where that leaves Jimmy Garoppolo, especially if Trey Lance does well this weekend. And he's going to have to because they don't have another quarterback under contract. So you're going to end up with who, you know, being, you know, they're going to sign a guy off the practice squad. You're going to go the Jake Fromm route. Oh, dear Lord. (laughs) I felt, I felt, I felt bad for that guy. I felt bad for that guy this weekend because it's clear he can't play quarterback in the, in the in the professional football league. I felt bad for him. I really did. When you get benched for Mike Glennon, it's over. Oh, it's over. It's over. It's over. It's over. And it's week 17, so it's not like you can, you know, there's not going to, the pickings are slim, especially since, you know, Blake Bortles might have been like the best of the worst out there, and he just got inked to the Saints. So he would have been a perfect guy, you know, just to have a warm body behind Trey Lance. But Garoppolo, he's not long for the, the 49ers. I think we're in agreement on that. I don't know what his value is, to be honest with you, because across the league, you have to really start considering him as injury prone. And am I going to invest? I'm certainly not giving you a first round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo. Absolutely not. Will I give you a fourth, maybe a conditional fourth, where it turns into a fifth if he doesn't play a certain number of games? I would do a deal like that. If Hell, if I was the Jets, I would bring him in as a backup, you know? No, no, no. See, to me, to me, Jimmy Garoppolo, and I know it. They know they went to the same, the same school, Eastern Illinois. But he, to me, is Tony Romo. He's Tony Tony Romo, an injury-prone quarterback. But Tony Romo (laughs) won some games. Tony Romo was a good player. I think it would. I I disagree with you. I think I think he's worth bringing in if you're the Giants. I know you might get him killed, but fortify the line. I think he's. He's a good player. I mean, Jimmy G's numbers speak for themselves. When he plays, he plays well. And he doesn't. I mean, he had a terrible game last last week. Oh, 
that game was awful. That, that game really destroyed his trade value of anything. But I think I think teams that are desperate should take a chance on Tony Romo. I mean, on Jimmy G. Same thing. Same. It's same guy. And you same need guy. a stud offensive line. And you know what? I would if I'm Cleveland, like I would call because yeah. I know my my line yeah. is there. Like yeah. that would be that would be a better fit in my mind. Yeah, I would go Jimmy Garoppolo to Cleveland over Pittsburgh or the Giants. Just yeah, because like I know I can protect him, and if I really want to move on from Baker Mayfield, I definitely I I feel like I've improved if I bring Jimmy G into Cleveland. can't help but smile when you see a balloon. The simplest occasion is a party. Westchester Popstars, located in New Rochelle, New York, offers balloon styling and decor for all life's events. Birthdays, anniversaries, weddings, showers, school and corporate events, store openings, or just because. Westchester Popstars takes balloons and shapes them into works of art, creating decorative installations for your special occasions. No event is too big or too small, and their custom personalization service is top-notch. Westchester Popstars is a private studio, quickly expanding. In-person consultation is by appointment only. Send an email to westchesterpopstars at gmail.com for more information or to schedule an appointment. No need to hire an event stylist. All you need is balloons. Currently servicing Westchester, Putnam, New York City, and Connecticut. To find Westchester Popstars, search for them on Instagram, Facebook, it's time for the mail route on the fade route if you want to get featured hit us up fade route mail at gmail.com or slide in those dms at fade route podcast on ig or drop us a line on our twitter page at fade route dnz right boys and girls we have a full mailbag today and if you want to reach out to us hit us up fade route mail at gmail.com or slide in our dms fade route podcast on ig or fade route dnz on twitter and if it's good enough it will be on the show first email comes from peter in akron okay first guy first time on the show for him hey guys big time browns fan what are the chances of the browns landing aaron Rodgers or russell wilson in the offseason <laughs> lots uh, of people on this show today uh well it depends it depends on how good of a sweet talker andrew berry is who's the gm of the browns aaron has not outlined where he wants to play so berry needs to sell him on it Come here. We are young. We have a good defense. We have a solid offensive line. Two backs. And you'll change the culture here. And you'll attract free agents. You got to upsell it. You got to upsell and tell him, you know, don't get off the phone with him until he says yes. Don't take no for an answer. Call him every day and be on his ass until he signs the team. 
as far as Russell Wilson's concerned, I mean, he's named only a few places he would be willing to play, and I think he's peaked as a player. It is looking, it is looking more and more like the Super Bowl victory was due to the defense and not him. He's only interested in playing New York, New Orleans, or Las Vegas. Maybe the better route to go is, like you said a little earlier, Z, is to try to go get Jimmy G. I don't think either one of these guys are going to end up in Cleveland. Of the two, I would say Aaron Rodgers is more likely. If we're going to do it impromptu, more or less, I would do Aaron Rodgers more so. Because, you know, he's used to playing in Green Bay. You definitely have that small market environment. And Cleveland is still, you know, it's not L.A. It's not Denver. It's not New York. So it's definitely, you know, it takes a little bit of getting used to being in a new locale, but it's still a similar vibe. If he goes to Cleveland, Aaron Rodgers, all of a sudden, that team becomes the favorite. This is exact. This is the same kind of move with Brady and the Bucks. Brady right. signed with the Bucks, exactly. all of a yeah. sudden, boom, Super yeah. Bowl contenders, it's theirs to lose. Right. So that's, you know, that puts a big target on the Cleveland Browns if they're able to make it happen. And if they are able to make it happen, that's great because you you definitely can, you know, bring some much needed star power and bring in, you know, a little bit of glitz to your team. And hopefully here, the only downside is you are bringing a lot more drama because it's Aaron Rodgers to a team that's already drama laden. So, you know, that's the one downside I have. Russell Wilson... I don't even see it because it's not a big enough market for him. And maybe not even so much for him because a lot of this is tied to Sierra and what she wants to do. Because he, his decisions are, influ- are being influenced by her career. So that's why Las Vegas was on there. Because, I mean, I wouldn't say Las Vegas is much or, was much of an upgrade, but it was because of the market size. New York, because of the market size. New Orleans, New Orleans was more... I mean, the market size, it's a little bit, it's a little bit different. And then LA, right? They had an off before Stafford. It's possible. But I think of the three, because you mentioned Jimmy G, Jimmy G is the most reasonable and the most likely. Then you have Rodgers, then you have Wilson. I, I just don't see it in the cards for Wilson. I don't see him going to Chicago either for that reason, even though Chicago was on the list. I just don't think like... I think he's taken so many hits, and I, I like you. I'm a little concerned that we're starting to see the tail end of Russell Wilson because you know he's in his early 30s, early to mid 30s. It's possible that we're going to start seeing the decline for sure. Email number two comes from Jack in LA. Okay, Montrez Harrell and Joel Embiid got into a scuffle a few nights ago. If you were going to get into a bar fight. Which guy would you want on your side? Oh, that's easy for me. 6'7", 240 pounds. Give me Harold. He looks like he can take care of anything. And we'll be walking out of there with minor bumps and bruises. Well, based on the clip I saw, you know, there wasn't much of a scuffle. There was a little bit of guys grabbing shoulders and a little bit of dancing. There was a lot of wolf tickets being uh, sold there, which is, you know... It's pretty on brand with Joel Embiid. I'm not, uh, I'm not too familiar with Montrez Harrell's fighting style, but. Uh, call this a sucker, right? 
Come on, boys. Let's take up the school. That's all I got to say about that. I've seen better soccer. I've, I've seen better fights on The Simpsons. But um, as far I would take Harold because Joel Embiid is going to get hurt like in the fight. He's going to be, oh, my wrist. Oh, my ribs. Oh, oh, oh. And then next thing you know, you are however many on one. So Harold is there because the best ability is availability. But the answer all time, of course, in my opinion. If there was a bar fight, all time, I want Ron Artest in my corner. I want Meta World Peace in my corner because that guy, I'm not I'm not getting a scratch on me if Ron Artest is backing me up. Kingsbridge, baby. Kingsbridge. <laughs> and last but not least, email number three comes from Caesar in Hell's Kitchen. Friend of the show. Welcome back, Caesar. Despite baseball being in a lockout, I am hopeful my Mets can still land Chris Bryant. What are the chances they can get a deal done once the lockout is over? I mean, they have to. They need him. Scherzer, Kana, and the other players they have signed, it's just not enough. They need Rizzo, Freeman, Bryant, or Castellanos. They need one of those guys. Well... Their, their sights are set on trading Jeff McNeil. It's not a very well-kept secret. The Mets are not in love with Jeff McNeil anymore, and they definitely want to get rid of him, especially after he got into an altercation with Francisco Lindor. Um, ultimately, if you move on from Jeff McNeil, you need to plug second base. Not so much third base, but you can, you can move guys around that you brought in you brought in Eduardo Escobar. He can play second base for a little bit. Chris Bryant, if you're bringing him in, he's your third baseman. You're not dicking around, sticking him in the outfield. He's not going to first. He is your third baseman. And that's, you know, if you're going to do that, I, I am okay with it, depending on what you get back from McNeil. Because this team needs him now. They, they didn't necessarily need him last year. But now, as things are shaking out, Chris Bryant is definitely becoming more of a need for the New York Mets. And you know what? He proved that he still has plenty left in the tank. 265, 25, 73. And he, had, he did enough to show you that he can still bring it. And he's only 29. He's going to go into... Actually, he's going to have a birthday soon. So he's going to be 30 when the season, if and when the season starts. So the Mets definitely need to get ahead of this and work out some things so that it's a seamless transition. Bryant in, McNeil out, and whatever you get from McNeil, just make sure that, you know, it is going to help the major league club. Or if you're going to get like a lower level prospect for him, that he fits the needs of the team. Because right now, you know, they can definitely use more pitching. I would definitely focus more on the pitching aspect, but you definitely need another bat too. And you could do a lot worse than Chris Bryant. That's for sure. The Fade Store presents the Alleged Superstar of the Week Award.
All right, boys and girls, it is time for the alleged superstar of the week. You know how it goes. We put up the poll. You vote on the poll. It's on our Twitter page, at FadeRouteDNZ. And you, yes, you, can help determine who wins the ass for this week. And do you know who won the ass last week, Dave? No, I don't. Coach John Harbaugh. You brought it home last week by going for two again with Justin Tucker on the sidelines again. So we will see what this week brings us. And I'm sure we have a lot of great candidates for you, ladies and gentlemen. So who you got, Dave? Uh, I'm starting off with a pair of Carolina quarterbacks. Sam Darnold, former top five pick, 15 for 32, 180 yards. That's not good enough to keep your job, Sam. If you want to stay in Carolina, you're going to have to play a lot better this week. But you were definitely one of my alleged superstars of the week last week. Second, Cam Newton. Oh, man, former MVP. 0 for 5 was the start of this year. 7 of 13 on Sunday with 61 yards passing and interception. Five rushes for 42 yards. You were the number one overall pick back in the day. But today you are my alleged superstar of the week. And last and certainly least, Aaron Rodgers. After giving a socially distant interview with Aaron Andrews on Christmas Day, you gave her a hug at the end of the interview. You're not vaccinated. You're not wearing a mask. Come on, man. Hugging the media. And now she's going to go and she's going to fraternize other players. Ah, Aaron Rodgers, you are my alleged superstar of the week. What say you, Z? That is definitely a good list, brother. And you know what? I- I'm on board with you. Aaron Rodgers was on my list, so he's I'm scratching him off. But... Tying in with Aaron Rodgers, Pat McAfee, you enable Aaron Rodgers by having him come on your show to spout his immunized versus vaccinated bullshit. So, Pat McAfee, you are my alleged superstar of the week. Draymond Green, for continuing to stick your foot in your mouth regarding NBA COVID protocols as Omicron spreads around the world. Dude, it ain't all about you. Everybody's going through this as well. So, slow your roll. Draymond Green, you are my alleged superstar of the week. Baker Mayfield, for being the only Browns quarterback since, you know, all 13 of them since 2014. You are the only Browns quarterback to throw four picks in a game. (laughs) So, that's a special level of bad. And a sub- It's a special level of bad. (laughs) It is. It's a special level of bad. And a little (laughs) subsection there. The Cleveland Browns quote-unquote fans who are harassing Baker and his wife and sending online death threats. You guys deserve a special place in hell. So, leave the man alone. It's a football game. Get a life. But Baker Mayfield, for your performance- You are my alleged superstar of the week. And last but not least, COVID for throwing holiday sports schedule into upheaval, causing cancellations, restructuring, and pretty much wrecking the bowl season and causing general uncertainty and fear for everybody else not involved in the sports sector. So COVID-19 and Omicron, you are my alleged superstar of the week. But how, how about the Browns almost winning that game? They almost won the game despite his four interceptions. That is it. That's very telling. That's, That's why amazing. the Green Bay Packers are not good. They're just, they're not good at all. Yeah, I mean, they're going to get exposed. 
they're definitely going to get going to get exposed in the playoffs. But Baker did not, you know, he did not show up in that game, and you know the that is very telling that they were still only able to lose by two. But our our nominees have been cast, ladies and gentlemen. Very soon, it'll be your time to decide. But for now. Just do better, boys. Just do better. Your favorite podcast has its own merch line now. Go to the Fade Store with DNZ.com today for all your Fade Route merch needs. I'm talking tank tops, t-shirts, sweatshirts, like yoga pants, we got those too. Like some cool accessories, we got those too. And we're not done yet. We have so much more planned for you, but check out what we have today at the Fade Store with DNZ.com. That's the Fade Store with DNZ.com. Let's run the option and give you our picks for the week. All right, boys and girls, it is the option for week 17. How did you do last week, brother? I went 10 and 6. Seems to be the normal staple these days for me. It's a solid week. 10 and 6 is a solid week. I went 12 and 4. So, you know, it's uh, we're, we are both trending in the right direction. So we're peaking at the right time, unlike some of these teams. One o'clock, Sunday matchups. The eight and seven Eagles go into Landover, Maryland and take on the six and nine WFT. Who you got? Mm, I'm taking the Eagles. I'm taking the Eagles as well. They're speaking of peaking at the right time. They're peaking at the right time, and Washington is falling off big time. Hopefully, Taylor Heineke is feeling better because he definitely did not look well on the sidelines in that Dallas game. He looked he looked like he was still sick. So hopefully, you know, they can give us a game, but I, I like the Eagles in this one. The 11-4 Rams at the 8-7 Baltimore Ravens. Rams. Pretty easy. You know, Rams are going to take this one. Baltimore, they're in a tailspin right now. The 11 and 4 Bucks at the 4 and 11 Jets. I'm going to take Jets in the upset. Whoa. Okay. I don't see Brady going into into the MetLife Stadium and laying an egg. So I'm going to go with the Bucks. And Brady is going to continue to be the Jets' dad, even though he's now in South Florida. The eight and seven Dolphins at the ten and five Titans. Titans, Titans, like a defense. I'm gonna go with the Dolphins. I'm gonna roll with them, and oh. I think they're gonna do just enough to win. And you know, the Titans—they're getting old, they're getting healthier, but I don't think they're there yet. Tight, uh, Dolphins close. The two and thirteen Jaguars at the nine and six Patriots. I was tempted to take the Jaguars, but I'll take the Patriots. 
I'm going to take the Patriots as well. Belichick is going to cause fits for Trevor Lawrence. And rookies do not do well when they go up against the Patriots. The 8-7 Raiders at the 9-6 Colts. Oh, I love the Colts, man. They're my Super Bowl team. Sticking with the Colts. This is a tough one. The Raiders, but, are but only only if Carson Wentz plays. Ah, right yeah. now I mean, he's still in COVID protocols and he's not vaccinated, as we know. So right. it could be Sam Ellinger. Word on the street is they did call Philip Rivers, and they're still waiting for him to return that call. So <laughs> you know, Philip and his twenty kids. Like I don't think he's going. I mean, it's the holiday season. You really don't want to take dad away from the kids. I mean, come on, I get it. So you know. I'm going to go, even with Sam Ellinger, I, I think the Colts have enough. Just turn around, hand off to Jonathan Taylor. He can definitely power the Colts past the Raiders. I'm going to take the Colts as well. This is game of the week material. The 11-4 and four Chiefs go into Cincinnati to take on the 9-6 and six Bengals. Hmm. Uh... I am going to go with the Chiefs. This is going to be close. Tough one, tough one, tough one. Because the Bengals are playing so well right now, and so are the Chiefs. But they are. Chiefs seem like they're. They seem the Chiefs seem like they've righted their ship and they're on their way to another Super Bowl. So I'm going to go with the Chiefs. It's going to be close. It definitely is going to be close. You know, I'm going to go with the Bengals to pop them in the mouth. I think that you know what Chase and Burrow, Higgins, Mixon. Like that's it's a good mix, pardon the pun. But <laughs> as I long as Tyreek that, Hill has like 700 yards receiving, that'll be great. Yeah, exactly. He's you know they're gonna have to do something a little exotic, and they're gonna have to kind of you know start pulling that cheap shit. But um, I like the Bengals in, in an upset, even though you know it's not that much of an upset. They're both good teams. From good teams, <laughs> they're not so good teams. The four and eleven Giants at the five and ten Bears. Bears, and if you have a chance to pick up the Bears defense this weekend, I recommend you do. <laughs> In a result that will frustrate us all, I am going to take the Giants because it is, it is something that is guaranteed to piss off both Giant fans and Bears fans. So that that is definitely going to be, you know, that's uh, it, it's the opposite of a point in television. But uh, this may be, you know, this may be the game where Matt Nagy finds out his future. And I, it does not look bright, and it will not look bright after Sunday. The 7-8 Falcons take on the 9-6 Bills. Falcons in the upset, even though I believe the game is in Orchard Park. It is in Orchard Park. And I, I think the Bills are riding the ship. And if they want to, if they want to stick with the Patriots here, they need to win this game. They need this game against the Falcons. So I'm going to take the Bills over the Falcons. The 4-11 Texans at the 8-7 Jimmy G-less 49ers. I'm taking the 49ers. Even the Texans played well last week. The Texans are showing some life. They are wrecking their draft status. But uh, I like the Niners as well. I think even with Trey Lance at quarterback, they have, they have enough weapons that they can get the job done. The seven and eight Broncos at the eight and seven Chargers. Chargers, they got a rebound from that last week's loss against the Texans. This is going to be the game where we find out what the Chargers are. 
If they lose to the Broncos, then they are pretenders. They are clear-cut pretenders. I don't think they're going to lose to the Broncos because I really don't like how they're going right now. Vic Vic Fangio is campaigning for another run next year. I don't know, man. I I just don't know. But uh, I'm going to take the Chargers this week. The 5-10 Panthers at the 7-8 Saints. I'm going to take the Saints and the Saints defense to help me win my fantasy championship. Well, who's the quarterback for the Saints this week? Is Are they are they opening the book again? Or is it going to be, uh, you know, is it going to be Trevor Simeon? Is it going to be Taysom Hill? Like, what's the, you know, that is very unsettling. The emergency Pretty sure it's Hill. Pretty sure it's is Hill. It Hill. Yeah. Because the emergency quarterback during the Dolphins game was Alvin Kamara. So, Solid. Uh, even, yeah. Even that, I think he would have wrecked some shit if they just let him run the offense. But that's neither here nor there. Um, I'm going to take the Saints as well. The Panthers look to be done. And, you know, Matt Rule is campaigning for another season. And I don't know if he's going to get it, but we, we will see. The 2-12-1 Lions at the 5-10 and 10 Seahawks. I was tempted to take the Lions, but I think... Uh... Russell do just enough to win you were tempted I'm gonna do it I'm taking the Lions I think that they have shown a lot of guts they've shown a lot of heart and Amon Ross St. Brown they might have found something here we just gotta see and you know you're not gonna get tested against that that Seahawks defense like he can have he's gonna have a game for sure the 10 and 5 Cardinals at the 11 and 4 Cowboys trash taking the Cowboys and the Cardinals' descent continues. I'm going to go with the Cowboys as well. Big game for Gallup. Big game for CeeDee Lamb. Cowboys pretty comfortably. Your Sunday night special, the 7-8 and eight Vikings at the 12-3 and three Packers. Uh, Packers. Vikings are pretenders. Vikings are pretenders. The Packers, they definitely made it sweaty last week. So it's something to look at, but they're not going to get tested by this Vikings team. I agree. Packers pretty comfortably. And Monday night, the seven and eight Browns at the seven, seven and one Pittsburgh Steelers. And the Browns hand been his last loss at home. I'm taking the Browns. This is a tough one. This is definitely a tough one. Because if this is Ben's last game, he's going to want to go out on a high note. I don't know if he's physically capable of doing so. And the Browns have shown that they can, you know, they play down to the level of their competition. So it's going to be close. It's going to be an ugly game. I'm going to take the Browns by a field goal. This has been the Fade Route with DNZ. Thanks for tuning in. You can catch our podcast Wednesday nights on Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to your podcasts. So until next time, stay faded, everyone. We'll talk to you next week, and Happy New Year. If you want to get on the action, we want to hear from you. Hit us up at Fade Route Podcast on IG. Fade route mail at gmail.com 
or slide in our DMs at Twitter at FaderoutDNZ. Questions, comments, picks, segment suggestions, you name it. We want to hear from you. Get at us, in crowd. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Rate us five stars. Leave us a review. Turn on subscription notifications and tell your friends. Spread the word. Spread it wide.